Brothers and sisters, it's been a massive privilege for the church here at Ephesus to be asked to collect together the letters of Paul. It's a, an extremely important job. You may have heard how quite recently our brother John, beloved disciple of the Lord, who spent many years at one time here in Ephesus, was called home to the Lord. He was the last of the original apostles, indeed one of the last of that early Jerusalem community. And if we're honest, even with the apostles around, the church hasn't always been brilliant at avoiding false teaching, has it? And if we're to preserve the teaching of the apostles and protect the church from heresy, we really need to gather together their teaching quite quickly. It's a privilege for Ephesus to be involved in this part of the work, collecting Paul's letters. But it's entirely appropriate. Paul spent more time in and around Ephesus than anywhere else in his travels. So we're as good a place as any to collect together his various letters for posterity. And I'm sure you're well suited to the task. As the Apostle John once said about you, you're known for your hard work, your perseverance, your defence of sound doctrine. And I commend your desire to make a good job of this. But I understand you have some concerns about this little letter I offered for inclusion. What was that? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It doesn't deal with any great heresy like Galatians. And no, 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 you're right. It doesn't point. There's no great doctrine hidden in it. It's a very personal letter. It's not even to a church as such. But I don't think you could deny it has a very strong teaching element, can you? And okay, okay, I hold my hand that I declare a personal interest. Although, to be honest, I never thought I would see the day when I'd argue to preserve anything associated with Philemon. There was a time when I hated that man. I despised the fact that he owned me. He could tell me to do what he, what he liked. He could do with me what he liked. Not that it got him what he wanted, mind. In fact, I always did as little as possible. Just enough to avoid a beating. And there were times when I deliberately got things wrong and misunderstood just to spite him. I'd get pleasure from watching him flare up and then he'd shout at me. And to think Anisimus means useful. Why would anyone give a worthless piece of dirt like you a name like that? Useful? Useless more like. And then there was a day when Philemon came back from a business trip. Whilst he'd been away, I'd been giving Archippus his son the runaround. He liked to try and throw his weight around, but he, he didn't really carry any authority. He threatened that he'd tell Philemon when Philemon returned. But before Archippus got the chance, Philemon introduced us to some guy called Epaphras, who would be stopping for a few days. And they kept talking about some guy called Paul. Philemon, I heard, had become a follower of something called the way. And I didn't know much about this way. But I knew one thing. When they said that they were going to be meeting in Philemon's house from now on, 
I knew what that meant. More work for muggins here. Epaphras tried being nice to me, but I didn't want to know. And soon afterwards, Philemon had all his new friends over. And I never even made it through the first feast. I hated him so much. I couldn't stand to see him so happy. And it was bad enough that he was looking after all his rich cronies. But most of this lot, they were slaves like me. And I find myself thinking, why am I having to look after them? I knew where Philemon kept some money, a good stash of it. And whilst they were all partying, I did a runner. I made it all the way to Rome. And I remember that initial thrill, the signs of the Colosseums, the smells of the cooking, and a little of old Phil's money to enjoy it. And I'd count it and think, ha, who's useless now? And anyone can get lost in a city like Rome. And for a while it was great, until I ran out of money. But run out I did. And soon I was back to begging and stealing just to make enough to get by. And suddenly freedom wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Then one day I tried to rob this young bloke. But he caught me. That was it, I thought. I've had it. Rome doesn't take law-breaking lightly. But rather than get me arrested, this guy Mark, his name was, said, come with me. Took me to a house and he led me into a room. And there was a bloke there and he said, I caught this man trying to steal from me. And I found myself staring at a small, frail, unimpressive sort of man. Not that he needed to be impressive. He'd caught me stealing. He could hand me over to the guards. Right now, he had as much power over me as Philemon ever had. He spoke with a stammer. What's your name, son? I told him. Onesimus. Then, to my surprise, he asked Mark to fix me some food. Your accent, said Paul. You're not from these parts, are you? I'd say Laodicean, Colossian. I told him Colossian. And I was surprised he recognised the accent. Oh, I've travelled a bit, he said. And he told me he knew some people in my area. And something inside me gave me that sinking feeling it was going to be the same people I knew. And those feelings were confirmed when he told me his name was Paul and then he went off on a long ramble about Jesus and the church. And, and I'm not sure whether he noticed the terror etched in my face or whether it, he just assumed it was because I was frightened of what he was going to do to me. Either way, he just kept going. He asked me where I was staying and when I said I had nowhere, he offered me the chance to stay at this place. And just then Mark returned with the food. I asked Paul, why are you being so nice to me? I tried to steal from you. Yes, he said, you've wronged me. But I've learned from experience that just because someone lets you down once, it doesn't mean that God can't use them to be a real blessing. 
It's not right, Mark, he added to the bloke who brought the food. And they exchanged a knowing look. Paul at Transparent was under house arrest, which was slightly ironic. I was a criminal on the run and I was being protected in a prison. But I stayed with Paul for some time. At first it was because I had nowhere else to go. When you're a slave, you're not a person. You're nothing. You're just a tool. And well, he could have had me killed. He had my life in his hands. But Paul was different. He treated me with dignity and, well, love. He told me that Christ taught him that there was no difference between Jews and Gentiles, between slaves and free people, that divisions between us were unimportant to God. And I said, I wish the rest of the world behaved like that. And Paul told me that Jesus had come so that the world might indeed one day be like that. Paul's God was so different from anything I knew. Gods are supposed to be all powerful over us, just like Philemon and then Paul were to me. But Paul's God showed his love for us by dying for us in Jesus, even when we had wronged him. And this Jesus came back from the dead, ascended into heaven and continues his work through the church. And Paul said his part in God's plan was to show Christ's love to people like me. And I learned of Christ's love mainly through the way Paul showed me it. And that's how I came to know Christ for myself. Oh, I didn't get it all straight away, but I came to see how love had an ability to achieve things that power never could. Whereas before I would have done anything to get out of working for Philemon, I couldn't get enough of helping Paul. And where before Philemon had called me useless, Paul would joke, <laughs> Onesimus by name, Onesimus by nature. Oh, of course I felt guilty that I hadn't come clean about my past. But I thought there was no way I could go back. If life as a slave was bad, life as a return fugitive was much worse. I could be made to work in change. I could be beaten with a rod, a lash or a knot or all three. I could be branded. And worse, because I'd stolen when I ran away, I could actually be crucified. There were 60 million slaves in the empire. It wouldn't do to let any of them get away with anything. Common sense dictated that not even Paul's God could stop Philemon enforcing his rights. Going back was suicidal. And yet I also knew it couldn't last. Then one of the churches out of concern for Paul sent to Paphras to help him. I was out on an errand when Epaphras arrived. He was chatting with Paul when I came home. And the way he looked at me, I knew the game was up. And the whole sorry story came out. I hoped the fact that I was a new man, part of his church, would persuade Paul not to send me back. But Paul told me that Christ came to help us deal with our past, not simply to escape it. 
And besides, I knew he couldn't go on harbouring the escaped slave of a Christian brother like Philemon. But, he said, Epaphras had brought him encouraging news about the Colossian church. Paul was going to write to them and he'd add another letter pleading my case to Philemon. It would be delivered by a man called Tychius and I'd go with him. My only hope now was that Paul's opinion would carry some weight. Days passed and the letters were soon completed. Packing didn't take long. I didn't have much. Before I left, Paul read the letter to me. I'd hoped he would be more forceful. Maybe even demand my release. But there was none of that. I shouldn't have been surprised, I know, after all the time I spent with Paul. But rather than using his position in the church to get what he wanted, the letter was packed with the hope that love could achieve what power and force never could. Paul didn't pull rank. Unlike the letter of the church at Colossae, he didn't refer to himself as an apostle. He called himself a prisoner. He could, he argued, have tried to tell Philemon what to do, and he had the authority. But he wrote about refusing to do anything without Philemon's consent. Instead, he appealed on the basis of love. It was as if like Jesus before him, he was saying, if you love me, do what I ask. And Paul's words were lovely. When I think of where I'd come from and what I was when I met him, to have him call me his very heart, that was precious. And it was there again, that little play on my name. You thought he was useless. But now he is truly Onesimus. But still the full extent of Paul's love hadn't been revealed until towards the end. If he's done it you any wrong, let it fall on me. He was prepared to pay for my wrong. You know, Everything I learned about God, Jesus, the gospel, I learned from Paul. Not just by listening to him, but in the way he loved me, accepted me as his child and was prepared to pay the debt for my wrongs. When Paul said for him to live was Christ, he meant it. However, I couldn't believe it when Paul asked Philemon to receive me, not as a slave, but as a brother. Well, that didn't mean I wouldn't still be a slave. He was just asking that I not face any harm on my return. And surely, I said, Paul, you've got to know what you're asking. That's scandalous. Philemon would be a laughing stock if he didn't enforce his rights. And Paul admitted he was taking a risk, sending someone he called a son into a place where he might face beating or even crucifixion in the hope of a response born out of love. I'm sending you, he said, in the hope that although you have sinned against him and you're under a sentence of death and although he has the power to enforce that sentence, I send you in the hope that his love will limit that. And I only can believe that will work because it's what the gospel's all about.
Paul appealed to love. Could Philemon have resisted? I trembled as I sat outside Philemon's chamber the day Tychius brought the letter. He seemed to be in there for an age. And then they emerged. Philemon looked stern. And he began. As the good Lord once almost said, I no longer call you servant. And then he broke out into a smile. Today I call you friend. We embraced and we wept together. The gospel had reconciled us not just to God, but to each other. From that day on, I served Philemon and Paul. The love of Christ achieved what power never could. Through that love, Paul accepted me as his own child. Through that love, Philemon treated one over whom he had absolute power, not as a slave, but as a friend. Christ had even transformed Archippus. That wimpy boy with no authority that I had once known was now fronting the Colossian church and doing it brilliantly. As for me, well, Paul sent me, or Philemon sent me back to Rome to assist Paul in his work. And through the love of Christ, I served Paul and Philemon, my master, as I would serve Christ. The love of Christ impacted on us all. It made us partners in the gospel. And years later, when Philemon died, I asked for this letter to remind me of what Christ had done for me. And it's remained with me ever since. So yes, brothers and sisters. This letter doesn't refute any heresy. It may not contain any great doctrinal statements. But it tells what God's love has done. Of his power to transform lives. Of love's ability to do what power never could. And the way grace achieves what law never could. Can you think of a better way of summarising Paul's gospel? And so I ask you to count it amongst the others. I could, of course, as your bishop, be bold enough to order you to include it. But instead, I'll appeal on the basis of love. And as one without whom I wouldn't be standing here once said, I'm confident of your obedience, knowing you'll do even more than I ask. Grace and peace to you.